0: Everyone, I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and this is Pathlight. We're so glad to have you tuned in to today's broadcast. Hope you will make plans to stay with us for the entire program today. Whether you're listening by way of radio or one of the social media pages, or perhaps on the podcast, we're so glad to have you a part of the program, let me mention the Pathlight podcast very quickly. If you happen to be listening to the program today on the radio, or maybe you've heard one during our prior weeks uh, during this series, and you say, "You know, I'd, I'd like to hear that again," or I've got a friend that uh, that might find that uh, that blessing uh, a blessing in that message, you can check out the Pathlight podcast on whatever particular app you might use on your on your phone or on your device and you'll find an archive there of a lot of, a lot of programs. This morning we're going to be speaking to you on the subject of not all facts are final. Now there's some facts that are final. You can settle them. They're done. They're not going to change. They are the way they are going to be. But there's some facts that uh, that are not final. As a matter of fact, we find in life many facts are not final and we'll be discussing that on today's Pathlight program. Right now, the Gaither vocal man, little as much when God is in it.
1: In the harvest field now ripened, there's a work for all to do.
0: If I were to tell you today that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and is God the Son, that He is the promised Jewish Messiah, He is our Savior, He is the only way to access God the Father, He is the way, the truth, and the life, if I were to tell you that today, that would be a fact. It is a fact today, it was a fact yesterday, and it will be a fact tomorrow. It is a fact that is settled However, not all facts are final. There are some things that you're walking in today that might be truth at this moment, but that does not mean they will be truth tomorrow. We think about science today and all the things that science looked at yesterday and said was true, that this is the fact. The earth is flat, for an example. Uh, You know, that that was just the way it was. Or the the sun uh, rotated or revolved around the earth. That's just what people believed. And of course, we today know that simply is not true. Facts are not always final. And there, there are many things that our children are learning in school today, for an example, as a fact that we're going to later find out it's not. You, you know, today they're talking about global warming and, and uh, certainly only a foolish person would want to pollute us. His- Planet, I don't want to pollute my water or the earth or the air or anything else, certainly. But a lot of these people are just fanatics and don't know what in the world they're talking about. I remember back in the 70s, it was global cooling, was what they were talking about that the earth is going to go through another ice age and we're all going to starve to death because ice is going to come back down and Florida is going to be a polar region again or something like that. And how foolish it was fact is, we don't know. The earth goes through changes. We know that. Not all facts that we are learning today, and certainly the facts that we supposedly are hearing a lot on the, the television news, not all facts are final. I want to read to you today a section of Scripture in Mark chapter 5, verse number 22 through 36. This is a little bit more than we would normally read, but I think it's important to gain a context of what's happening here in the life of a fellow by the name of Jairus it says picking up in mark 5:22 and behold there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue Jairus by name and when he saw him of course referring to jesus he fell at his feet and besought him greatly saying my little daughter lieth at the point of death i pray thee come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live and jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. And when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about him in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touch me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jairus heard the word that was spoken, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, I'm sorry, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid. Only believe. What I'd like to give you in today's program is more than just a title of a sermon. I want to give you something to put over your life today, a banner to put over your life, an announcement to put over your life today, regardless of what you're going through. The facts aren't always final. Some of you have just gotten a bad report, perhaps from a physician, The facts are not always final. I'm not saying they're never final. Sometimes they are. But they're not always final. Some are going through a career challenge right now or a marital challenge right now or uh, a challenge in some other area of your life, and you're looking at the facts as you see them right now, and you are down and you're depressed and you're feeling badly about those. Now, I cannot tell you the facts as you see them are not accurate. I'm just acknowledging today that many times they are not. Many times God adds a chapter, you think you're reading the final chapter right now, and you've got a bleak report, and this is the way the story's going to end, but God may be going to write a final chapter or another chapter in your book. As a matter of fact, this might not be the final chapter at all, it might not even be next to the final chapter. You might be in the middle of life, you think I'm coming to an end of life. No, you might not realize that maybe God has a lot in store for you because the facts Aren't always final. Now, some facts are final. I'm holding in my hand right now the Word of God, the Bible. It is the Word of God, the God breathed book, if you will. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, the Bible says. I believe in the verbal inspiration of the Bible. It is God's Word. Someone said, what translation do you use? Well, technically, I use the King James Bible. But in reality, I like to say I use the jot and tittle translation. That simply means that every jot, every tittle, I do believe, is the Word of God. Now, that was true yesterday. It was true back when my granddad was reading the Bible, and I remember as a little boy seeing him sitting in his rocking chair reading the Word of God. Uh, It was the Word of God then. It's the Word of God today, and it will be the Word of God tomorrow. And in eternity future, when you and I have long been in heaven, it will still be the Word of God. That fact is final. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus is the Son of God and God the Son. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose the third day. That fact is final. That, that is done. That is not going to change. It is truth. It was truth yesterday. It's truth today. It'll be truth tomorrow. Those facts do not change. Those are final facts. They are the way they are. I'm a child of God. I'm a born-again, blood-washed child of God, born into the family of God, and I have what the Bible calls eternal Life, If it's eternal life, that, that's a fact. It's not going to change. But not all facts are final. In looking at today's story, you wouldn't necessarily have known that Jairus had a dying daughter. If you saw him in the synagogue or if you saw him on the street or perhaps at the market... Just like most folks may not know what's going on in your home or in your life right now, your world might be crumbling and you might be successfully hiding it from other people. Now, Jairus was a ruler. He was a leader. And oftentimes leaders don't share a lot of what's going on in their personal lives with the public it's hard to do that as a leader. Many times you want to shield the public from what's going on in your life. Now, I do believe in sharing needs one with another at church and confessing faults one to another and sharing prayer requests. But, you know, as a pastor, I've often felt that people don't come to church to hear me talk for 30 minutes about my problems. Uh, I need to address their problems. And certainly there are things I get the congregation to help me pray about, but I don't want to come there talking about how bad I'm doing or how bad I'm feeling or how my world that's falling apart. That's not what they're coming to hear. They're coming to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'll share legitimate needs, but I'm not going to harp on them. And perhaps Jairus, I would imagine, as a ruler, as a leader, was the same way. You wouldn't have known, unless you knew him personally or knew his family, what was going on in his life. It says in verse 35 of this section of Scripture we just read, Jesus was still speaking, and some people came from the house of Jairus, They'd been there at his home with his daughter. And there's this interruption, and the interruptions is perhaps some of the worst news that any human being can possibly hear. It doesn't get much worse to a dad than someone to come to him and say, Your daughter is dead. I've never experienced that, but I can imagine how heartbreaking that must have been at that moment. How, how, how unsettling, even though she had been ill and maybe in his mind he was had accepted the fact that it was a possibility, it still had to be a traumatic moment. And some of you have gone through that, and I can only try to empathize with how hard that must have been. Your daughter is dead. Now, I'm thankful as we journey through this section of Scripture that it does have a happy ending, but we know some stories don't have a happy ending. It's tragic to lose a child, but this passage isn't so much about losing a child as it is in keeping the faith. Keeping faith means sometimes believing God in the face of some terrible facts. And Jairus has just been hit with a terrible fact. Your daughter is dead. Now, now he knows this is a fact; he trusts those who have have come to him with with that counsel. Uh, he doesn't say, "Are you sure? Did you check? Did you double check well, of course they're his friends, of course, they would have double checked before sharing such news. The best they can determine this girl is is dead. It is a fact, but again, as we learn from the Word of God, not all facts are final. as the story begins back in verse number twenty two Jairus fell at the feet of Jesus. That means he had to come down from his high position as a synagogue leader, as a ruler in the synagogue, and put himself in a low place at the feet of a rabbi who technically wasn't even a part of his religion. Now, I know Jesus was Jewish, and sometimes he taught in the synagogue, but, but Jesus wasn't welcome at a lot of the synagogues, and some of the things he was saying was not too palatable to the rulers and the Pharisees and, and others uh, there in the uh, in the synagogue. Jairus who was an official in the synagogue, came to Jesus who was outside what we might call the system of religion that Jairus knew about. And he didn't even know at that point if Jesus was a true prophet or not. But what he knew is that he had heard that this man was capable of healing people that regardless of how it happened, some said it happened through the power of Satan. Some said it was the power of God. Uh, Jairus says, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know enough about this to make a judgment. But I do know if there's any possibility that he can heal my daughter, that's what I want. You know, desperate situations will cause you to do things differently than you did them when you thought you had all the answers. When you thought you had everything you needed, when you thought you had everything figured out, suddenly now the rules are different. Now the leader is at the feet of a teacher and he hopes he can do something. This teacher can do something for his daughter. Every dad of a daughter today would do the same thing. This is not a parenting sermon again, but that's what the text is talking about. So I relate to this text as I relate as a dad who would do almost anything for one of my children if they were sick, if they were ill, if they had a need. I'd do most anything in the world I could to help them. But on the day we meet Jairus, he's not standing in the front of the synagogue. He's not issuing commands for the people. He's not, he's not doing his duties at the synagogue. He's not telling people what to do or where to stand or, or, or where to sit or nothing like that. No, he's a desperate dad at the feet of Jesus, humbly coming and says, My daughter is dying. Will you please come with me? Come to my house and heal her. Jairus, interestingly, didn't just assume That because he was a ruler in the synagogue, he deserved special attention. Or that his problem was more important than anyone else's. Or that it was God's obligation or Jesus' obligation to come and help him. He didn't just assume that God wanted his daughter healed. He didn't just assume it would naturally happen. He didn't just assume God was like an automatic faucet where you put your hands under it and all of a sudden the water comes out without any effort on your part. Just put your hands there. It'll flow out. And, and I know there's some people today that are, that, that, are, that are going to be waiting a long time because you've stuck your hands under that faucet and you think the water is going to automatically come when perhaps God is telling you, look, there's two little handles up there on the top. They say H and C, hot and cold, and you're going to have to turn to get some water out. The water will flow, but sometimes the Bible teaches us that faith without works is dead, and sometimes God expects us to put forth a little bit of effort, and that's what Jairus is doing today. He's doing something. He went to Jesus. He did something risky. He did something dangerous. He had to cut through the crowd to do it. He's doing something that if it gets back to the ruler, other rulers at the synagogue, what he's doing, he's going to face ridicule for it, maybe some Persecution for it, but his daughter is deathly ill, and he's willing to take that chance. And taking the chance worked. It worked. Jesus says, basically, okay, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go to your house. I'll I'll heal your daughter. We'll go. So it seems to work. Well, at, at least at first. At well, at least for a while, until that interruption came. You know about interruptions, don't you? So do I. Look at that interruption, the interruption that you may be going through in your life right now. Uh, We've all had goals. We've all had dreams. We've all had, well, uh, things, I guess, in between the idea and the fulfillment of the dream. And suddenly a roadblock, a detour, an interruption, something happens. It puts things on pause for a while. In this particular instance, the crowd is pressing around Jesus very tightly. Uh, It's interesting to me in Mark's gospel, the crowd is seldom seen as a good thing. When Mark mentions the crowd, a lot of time it's people who are standing in the way of God doing what he, what he really wants to do. So we got this crowd here that's hindering Jesus from getting to Jared's house. And in the passage we read a moment ago, there's this woman. And she comes to Jesus through the crowd and gets a miracle for her situation, which was a dire situation. It's been going on for 12 years probably longer than this little girl has been alive, Jairus' daughter. This woman's had this issue of blood for 12 years. As she is being healed by touching the hem of Jesus' garment, Jairus's daughter is home dying. So her healing, and I'm looking at this from a human perspective, from a human level, her healing cost Jairus' daughter his life. One is healed and conceivably, because one is healed, another dies. Now, this is a part of the teaching that I want you to become that I want to become reality in your life today. I want this to become flesh in your life. I, I don't, want, don't want this just to be a Bible story that you read about. I, I want you to take, take ownership of this because this is where we find ourselves many times in moments of interruption, in moments of disruption, in moments where something we couldn't control affects something we were moving toward, and we thought what we were moving toward was what God wanted us to move toward. We really felt we were heading in the right direction. We're doing the right thing. We're doing what we're supposed to do. And suddenly in the middle of that, you get this this interruption where something you can't control is affecting something that you believe you're supposed to be doing. The people came from Jairus' house. While Jesus was still speaking, the Bible says, right now something could happen in your life or in mine that could make everything else seem almost worthless in comparison? What news could you get right now that would put you in the same position, the same mentality as Jairus? Sometimes I think we need a perspective like, well, like Mark chapter 5, where we realize somebody as important as Jairus, with as much to do as Jairus, As much responsibility as Jairus is losing his little daughter and nothing else to him at this moment matters. We lift our hands not only in moments of loss, but even in moments where we are stressed about the stuff that isn't as significant as the devil wants us to think it is. The stuff that doesn't matter as much as we like to think. it, You know, some of us have this, these OCD brains and, and things are important to us. Oh, man, I've got uh, uh, two leaves that have fallen in my front yard out of the tree. I need to go rake them up. Or my countertop's got a little, little bit of, little bit of uh, dust on it. I need to clean it up. I, I can't rest until that's taken care of. Sometimes that's the way, we, the way we, we think. I want to guarantee you right now, there is something in your life right now Something that perhaps you are taking for granted, something I am taking for granted, that if you lost it, you would do most anything you could, most anything you could to have it back. But it's something you're taking for granted, something you don't think about, something you, you don't you've not thanked God for. But yet right now, if it were suddenly taken away, you'd do most anything to get it back. The Bible says that while Jesus is speaking, some people came from Jairus' own house, and they told him, your daughter's dead. And then they, then, then they ask him, says, why bother the master anymore? The word master there means rabbi, teacher. The, these were likely members of the synagogue who are still trying to make up their minds about Jesus. So they tell Jairus, what in the world are you doing here listening to this guy? He's not even really a part of our organized religion. The Pharisees are doubtful about him, and you're sitting here listening to him. You need to be home. Your daughter's dead. You need to to be with your family. You need to be making final arrangements. What are you wasting time with this fellow for? In the statement, Jesus overhears the words that they say to Jairus, and he looks to Jairus, he says, Be not afraid, only believe. Now, there's no indication that Jairus had stopped believing. But perhaps Jesus knows what naturally happens in our life at moments like this. We begin to have doubts, and Jesus says, "Only believe." But but I ask you the question: Do they believe what? Jairus has no precedence to believe in. In reality, he's heard that Jesus can heal, but he's certainly never heard he can raise anyone from the dead. Jesus later would, but there's no indicator that Jairus is aware of this right now. He's not aware of the cross. He's not aware of the resurrection. He doesn't have any of that to believe in. He has no promise of heaven as we understand it today. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit. He has no promise of being a child of God like we do today. He still thinks Jesus is a teacher and, well, maybe a healer. But in no way does he see him able to raise the dead. Maybe Jesus could have healed my daughter if we could have caught it in time. But but she's dead now. So there's, there's no hope. He's got nothing to base his faith on, if you will. So he's going towards something he's hoping for without even knowing if it's if it's possible. Is it possible this guy could raise my daughter from the dead? But the facts aren't always final, you understand. The facts are not Always final. The facts don't set you free, the truth sets you free. And Jesus is the truth. Even when the facts are against you, Jesus is the truth. The facts aren't always final. Depressed is not your new personality type. The facts are not final. Divorce is not uh, what's going to be written on your tombstone. The facts are not always final. God is still working on you. He's still working through you. He began a good work in you, and He will perform it until the day of Christ. you got to keep believing. One word from Jesus can overturn any hopeless situation. Stop putting more faith in the facts than you do in God. I don't care what they said. They don't have the final word. They didn't write the book. They're not the way maker. They didn't create you. Why are you going to let someone else write the instruction manual on the product God created? You don't know what you can do, what you can be, what you can have, where you can go through the power of God. The facts aren't final. We're believers. Don't be afraid. Believe and keep believing. I know some people still enjoy their relationship with God. They still have faith. But, like an uncommitted employee, your faith clocks in late and clocks out early. You got to believe God. Believe that, regardless with God, the facts are not always final. What are the facts in your life today? They may be legitimate facts. They may be the way things are. You don't get more factual, really, than your daughter is dead. That is a fact. But you see, with God, the facts are not always final. I want to speak this over your life today. What is going on in your life today? What are the facts right now that are holding you back, the facts that have you depressed, the facts that have you doubting? The facts that have you doubting God's love or your position in Christ? What are the facts in your life? I want to tell you, those facts are not final. They're not necessarily final. God may have something else in store for you. And that's what I want you to believe. Be not afraid. Only, only believe. Well, till next time, T.D. Worthington say, May God richly bless you as our prayer. You have a wonderful week as you continue your walk with our Lord.